something and um, because I want to really get your heart set for the things that God has for you. I want you to know that no matter how good your life is right now, God's not done. And I want you to know that no matter how bad your life is right now, God's not done. That's good news. It means that if you're experiencing a good life right now, you're not tapped out. And if you're not having a good life right now, it's not the end for you. But there are some things you have to believe in order to receive what God has for you. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to start teaching you guys about the blessing and the favor of God. I'm going to begin to teach you about the blessing and the favor of God because you need to know that you are already blessed. Say, I'm already blessed. You're not trying to get blessed. You're not hoping up on a blessing. You are already blessed. Say, I'm already blessed. Understand that there is a difference between waiting on something to happen to you and understanding that it already belongs to you. There is a different position of confidence that you operate in when you believe something is already yours. Amen? Amen. You have no trouble going to your car, right? But have you ever gone to a car that looked like yours and it wasn't yours? And the door mess around and be open and you get in a car and then you get in there and you realize it's not yours? Do you know, do you need, what's the confidence that leaves you? You panic. You need to stop panicking because you're already blessed. You need to stop stressing because you're already blessed. You need to begin to have an expectation that God already knows your life. He already knows what you have need of. He's already provided for everything that you need. Your situation may be new to you, but it doesn't surprise God. No, you can that, say lie in the Bible. Let me stop and meditate on this. Your situation may be new to you. But it does not surprise God. You have never had a situation that threw heaven for a loop. You've never had a money shortage that God was like, oh my God, I don't know what we go do to get the money. There is no shortage in God. You've never had a family problem that God didn't have a solution for. But if you don't have an expectation that God is moving and working in your life, you will live at a level that you are not called to live at. And so I'm here to challenge you this morning to believe in the blessing, to begin to declare the blessing, to expect the blessing, and to expect the favor of God on your life. Amen? Amen. We got another confession already. Say, the blessing of God, blessing of God is, on is on my life, and it empowers me to prosper. Me to prosper. The, favor of God the favor of God on my life, on my life produces opportunities to make it happen. Say, my steps are ordered by the Lord, and I'm in the right place at the right time, sensitive to my environment. Say, there are opportunities with my name on them, and they find me and bring me increase. Thank you, God, for blessing and for favor. Now, listen, I am not typically a person who cares whether you get excited or not. What I will tell you is that if this doesn't excite you, you need to check your pulse and make sure you're still here. Because when you find out that you are no longer required, to, that, you're, that, that your capacity for wealth is not just based on your job, Amen. and that your capacity for how well your children are raised is not just based on your intellect, when you begin to understand that it ought to, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord, it ought to quicken you, you ought to get excited about the fact that what you thought was just on you is not just on you. Tell your neighbor, say, it's not just on you. We're going to go to 1 Peter 2 and 9, and I know you can tell that I'm excited. I am excited about the Word. I love the Word of God. My de my, I declare that you're going to love the Word of God. 1 Peter 2 and 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. I love this. This first thing it says, you're chosen. Say, I'm chosen. And then it says, I say I'm royal, I'm a priesthood, I'm holy, and I'm peculiar. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes if you think about the word peculiar for me, until I begin to study it, it brings up the image of being strange. Well, it's not weird. Peculiar doesn't mean weird. Say, the Lord is not asking me to be weird. He's not asking you to walk around and you, 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 you look, you know, a mess and call it peculiar. 
Okay, that's not what holiness and this righteousness is. So what does the word peculiar mean? It means to be distinctively different. So the Lord has called you and I to be distinctively different. I want you to know that that's about more than your character. Because there are people from every religion who have good character. People from every religion. There are people from every religion who have good character. There are people who have no religion who have good character. Character is not the distinguishing mark of the blessing on your life. It says that it, to, be, to be peculiar, it means to be special and to be unique. Now, the thing that you need to understand is that this unique factor that you have on your life, this special factor that you have on your life is not because of you. Everybody should say, ooh, thank God. Because if it was because of you, you could lose it. It's not because of you, but it's because of Jesus. He said, what did he do? He called you out of darkness. There was a time that you didn't know that Jesus was your Savior. There was a time that you were on your way to hell. There was a time that all your sins were imputed towards you. It says he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And when he called you, he called you something. He called you chosen. He called you royal. He called you holy. And he called you peculiar so that you could show forth the praises of him. When you read that, he is not just talking about how loud you can shout. Because you know that ain't nobody in church who can hear you shout except other people who shouting for Jesus. He wants your life to be distinctively different. Say, it's the will of God for my life to be distinctively different. Say, I am distinctively different. I am unique. And I am special. Say, thank you, Jesus, for putting me in that position. See, you need to begin to solidify in your thinking that God is the one who has put his blessing and his favor on you. And because God has put his blessing and his favor on you, you cannot earn it. But your faith will determine how you operate in it. You you can't earn favor. You can't earn a blessing. But your faith will determine whether you operate in it. If you feel like your whole family is your responsibility, you will miss the blessing of provision that God would give to your family. When you believe that it's all on you, you will miss what God is trying to do in your life. Say, it's not all on me. me. Say, I'm just in partnership with God. And some of you are struggling because you're living life at a level because you judge everything in your life based on your own checkbook. You judge everything in your life based on your own capabilities. God says to you, I want to give you a new job. You say, but I don't have a degree. Do you think God didn't know you didn't have a degree when he told you he was going to give you a new job? Because God has something that trumps degrees. It's called blessing and favor. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Genesis 1, 26 through 28. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. You must become students of the word. We have a friend, Edwin's best friend growing up. His name is Keith Harper. Keith Harper is an insurance adjuster. When we had the ice storm several years ago, because he was an insurance adjuster, he called Edwin. He said, be sure you read your policy. He said, when I go out to adjust people's houses, they leave money sitting on the table because they don't know what belongs to them. Do you know that in an ice storm, if your electricity goes out and your deep freezer thaws out and you have insurance that they owe you for the food that's in your deep freezer? Do you know that there are people who don't get their money back because they don't know what's in the policy? There is lots of stuff in this policy for you that you are leaving on the table because instead of reading it, you are worrying about things you don't have the power to fix anyway. So it says, let us make God, man, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. I told y'all last week, we have dominion over what? All the creeps. Tell your neighbor, say, you have dominion over all the creeps. So stop allowing people to make you miserable on your job. 
you have dominion over all of the creeps. So if you have dominion, how is somebody on your job make you miserable except that you don't know that you have dominion over the creeps? It says, so God created man in his image, and in the image of man, he created him male and female. I always stop here to say that he said male and female, which means single women. You don't need to wait till you get a husband to live your blessed life. And married women, you ain't just depending on your husband for how good you can live. There is an empowerment on women, too. Amen. I thought the women would help better than that. Jesus, go to verse 28. I'm doing my best up in here today. And God bless them. What does the word bless mean? What does the word bless mean? Listen, there are some things in here that they go be on the test. We say them week after week after week. Learn them. There are some things that are going to be on the test. What test? The test of life. Because if you don't know that you're blessed, you'll live cursed. If you don't know that you're supposed to be above, you'll live beneath. And some of you will spend a lot of years living beneath because you didn't know that you were supposed to be above. So what does the word bless mean? He empowered them to prosper. And then he said, now based on this empowerment that I have given you, be fruitful. What is the number one thing that God wants for mankind? To be fruitful. Your life should be fruitful. This is not about having 20 kids. This is about you should not be going to work, and when you get your check, there is no money left. You should not be married, and you hate to see your spouse coming. You should not be anointed to date the jerks, the creeps, every creep it is you find them. That is not the will of God for your life. You should be fruitful. Say, I am created to be fruitful. It says, and you should multiply. We should see increase in your life. Not our weight. (laughs) Not our weight. We don't want to increase there. But we should be increasing. We should be increasing in our wisdom. We should be increasing in our our self-control. We should be increasing in our discipline. Amen? And then replenish, which means anything that needs to be, anybody who works in Walmart vendors, you know what replenishment is. It means that if one, if they take one gallon of milk off the shelf, it's somebody's job to make sure one gallon of milk goes back, right? There are some things that are missing in your life, and the Lord has anointed you to put them back in your life. You're not stuck without. Say, I'm not stuck without. And he says, and then we have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. Hold on, I just want to say this. Man, can we give God a, a, a surround of hand that Pastor Edwin is back and can move his neck this week? Amen. Amen. He was struggling. We was believing God. I love this church. Listen, we went to urgent care. And when we went to urgent care, about 20 people showed up. They had never seen that many people in urgent care. Pastor Edwin said, y'all know I didn't get shot. I just hurt my neck. Like, everybody was in there. And so we're just so thankful that you are back. And I just want to tell you just that um, if he said anything that was a little loopy to you, it, it, it's blaming on the meds, okay? What T-Pain said, blame it on alcohol. We go blame it on the meds. Blame it on the meds for you, all right? So we're glad that he's back and that he has dominion over this thing that tried to have dominion over him. So God wants you to multiply. But if you don't have a fruitful and multiplication mentality, you will live at the same level your whole life. I remember when I was in in law school and I worked at Walmart and there was a lady who had worked at Walmart at the time. She had worked in the same job for 11 years and she was making $8 an hour and she had been making $8 an hour for about three years. She didn't have multiplication on her mind. What she thought was, what she said was this. She said, well, this job allows me to be able to get off when my kids get off. And if I got another job, I couldn't do that. Well, the same favor that got you the first job that let you be off when your kids, there's another job that's available for you. You don't have to stay stuck in things that don't work for you anymore because they worked for you in the past. You can believe God for something better. Amen? Amen. Now let's go to Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Tell your neighbor, say, you got to love the word. Got to get some ability to sit and hear the word. You're not going to get your life changed by singing songs. I like to sing songs. They're great. Singing songs won't change your life. You got to learn how to hear the word and how to apply the word to your life. Say, I am a student of the word. 
Amen. Now the Lord said unto Abraham, he said, get thee out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you and I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shall be a blessing and I will bless thee. We read a couple of weeks ago in Galatians that um, the same blessing that was on Abraham is on us because we are heirs of the promise. Say, I have the same blessing that Abraham has. As Abraham was blessed, so am I. Amen. He says, and I will, in, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So we know that Abraham is the really reason that the blessing was re-released on the world because of his obedience to God. And it says that all of the families of the earth have the right to the same blessing of Abraham. Amen. Amen. Now, we know that the blessing of Abraham cannot just be about salvation. Here's how we know that. God blessed Abraham before Jesus went to the cross. So the blessing on Abraham was a blessing to be successful in the earth. Tell your neighbor, say, you need to go to heaven. And you also need to know how to create heaven on earth. You want to go to heaven. But you don't want to live in hell till you die. Amen. And the blessing is designed to keep you from living in hell when everybody else is living in hell around you. In fact, Psalms 91 says you will see it, but it shall not come nigh you. That has to be your expectation in life. It says, and we are blessed. Now listen here. God is making this same call to us that he is making to Abraham. He is saying, get away from the environment and the mindset that keep you from living an upgraded life. He's not saying run away from your family. He is saying that if your family don't believe in being abundantly blessed, they're not the people you ought to be talking about being abundantly blessed with because they go talk you out of what God's trying to do in your life. See, everybody doesn't believe God wants his people blessed. And it's one of the biggest, you know, it was funny because where is Richard? I actually thought about you when I was preparing this example. Richard. You're a father. I know you're a good father. I watch you with your kids. You want what's best for your kids, right? And, 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 and you kind of like my kids. They all right, right? But, but when you're working every day, you're not working for my kids, are you? No, I, I don't take that personal. You, you're not supposed to be. I but, but you're not working for my kids. Who kids are you working for? So why do you think that God would have created all of this good stuff in the world and the people who ought to have it are the people who aren't his kids. Why should those people, would it make sense to us in the natural if Richard went to work every week and then Richard brought all of the good toys to our house? Everybody in this room would say Richard was crazy. God is not crazy. The reason that believers live so much lower than the world is because you have been convinced that that is your spot. And it doesn't matter if you set a man free if he bound in his mind. The Bible says you've been set free. The best belongs to you. Why do you even think that God would give a man an idea for a private plane? Do you think that God cares as an unsaved movie star rising a plane? You better stop and think about it. Because the Bible says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. Pastor Sean, Pastor Sean, it's not all about money. It's not all about money, but it is about money. The statistics tell us that when marriages break up, they fighting over money. When you can't let your kids live their dreams, it's because you ain't got the money. Your money tell you where to work. It tell you when to get up. It tell you when to go to bed. It tell you where you can go on vacation. Your money go tell you what you can have for lunch today. Your money gets to determine whether you get to have Dr. Pepper or great value. Your money dictates everything about your life. And so it's a deception to believe that money doesn't matter. It does not, it is not the most important thing, but it impacts everything that is important. Your money determines what kind of care your children can get. Your money determines what kind of schools they can go to. Your money determines what kind of opportunity. Your money determines whether you and your spouse have an anniversary dinner at Wendy's or Ruth Chris. 
It takes money to build a ministry. And so if the enemy can get you to believe that it doesn't belong to you, you will leave it on the table and somebody else will grab it. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. (laughs) Get away from the environment and the mindset that causes you to believe that where you are is okay. I don't care how good it is right now, you're not done. Oh, but Pastor Sean, I live so blessed. I know, but could you take care of another family for a year? We ain't there yet. Could you write a check and send a kid to school for college? You're not there yet. Not just your kid, another kid. You have to go after what belongs to you. So, let's make this confession. Say, I am empowered to prosper. I live a distinctively different lifestyle. I live an upgraded life through the blessing. And I am a blessing to others. Let's go to Proverbs 10 and 22. Because you got to deal with this level of thinking because most of us know a, God, a lot of good Christian people, but they didn't have nothing. They good Christian people. They love Jesus. They going to heaven. Go fall out the first time they see his gold up there. Go fall out the first time they get to heaven and see they don't have to wear a secondhand robe. Your life is not secondhand. Your life is not always having to go to the clearance rack. Ooh. That's not the will of God for your life. It may be your right now, but it's not your forever. And if you don't understand that, you'll live the rest of your life second class when God called you to be first class. Why is it important for you to be first class? Listen, a lot of times when we talk about ministering to people, we only think about the broke down and out people. Do you know it's some rich up and out, down and out people God won't save to? Do you know that it's hard to minister to people if you can't get in the same circles as they're in? That's right. That's right. Right. Now, we down here, and you, we got cars that's held up with bumper stickers and blessed oil. <laughs> trying to minister to a man with a Bentley about why he needs Jesus. See, the the money is just a tool to give you access to be able to share who God is. There's actually a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says nobody listens to a broke man. Nobody listens to a broke man. Let that be a note to your life. Stop taking advice from people who don't live better than you. Stop taking advice from people who don't live better than you. I'm going to stay right here because I need you to grow up in this thing so you can get what God has for you. Your marriage messed up and you ask your friend who also don't like their spouse what you should do. Your friends don't have no money, but you ask them what stock you should buy. You ask your fat friend how to lose weight. You got to get some wisdom to say, who has this thing that I am going after and begin to follow after them? I'm going to give you an example about Rick. Rick don't talk very much. So let me tell you about Rick and Kenosha. Because this is about, this is about the ability to follow after those who ever seen. Now, anybody who's listened to us know that our marriage used to be crazy because Strick didn't live right. He didn't live right. So then he started living right. Now we happy, right? <laughs> and so we've gone through a lot of stuff that you married people should never have to go through. We got some pretty good ideas about some stuff that don't work. You know why? We don't know that most of it don't work because we read it in a book. We know that most of it don't work because we lived it. And we know a better way. What I have found is interesting is that there are people who know how crazy we used to be and they know we're not that crazy. But they won't come to us for advice and so then they still living a raggedy life. Shame on you. So here's an experience, a story about Rick and Kenosha. Early in their marriage, their first year, their first Christmas, we decided to have Christmas together. Kenosha was adamant that Rick should not get her anything for Christmas. Do not get me anything for Christmas. 
Well, Rick, being new, did not know that he should ask Pastor Edwin what he should do. And so they came for Christmas dinner. Rick came first because he's always on time like this morning. Kenosha came an hour and a half later. We was all hungry. And when she came, she had probably two tell the truth. When she came, she had these elaborate wrapped presents. She had wrapped all of us these presents. They were so, I didn't even want to open them. They were so pretty, right? So she gives us these presents. First of all, we weren't supposed to be buying presents for each other and stuff. She wasn't mad that we didn't get her a present. Oh, but when she got Rick them gifts and Rick opened them gifts, they were beautifully wrapped and they were beautiful gifts. And then Rick got her, I don't know, some what she called trinkets. I don't even remember what they are. And she tried to have a good dinner, but she couldn't make it. She just went off. She said, how you go do me like this? Edwin looks at Rick. He says, I don't care what she says for the rest of your life. Buy her a present. I don't care what she says. Their anniversary that was the other day, I was on the phone with Kenosha. Rick comes out and he gives her a gift. You know why? Because he is following after those who through faith and patience have obtained the promise. Rick will be a hundred giving Kenosha gifts because he has learned the key to a successful marriage. When she says she don't want a gift, she lying. Get her a gift. That's true for all women. We lying even if we don't know what we want. Find us a gift. Preach, preacher. Did you hear that? Son? Finally, some women go help me up in here. So you have to get away from the mindsets because Rick could have gathered up with some guys that said, well, if she wanted something, she better act like she wants something. And then on the other day on their anniversary, we was having a conversation. He'd have left without giving her anything. Then I'd have had to listen to her holler about it for an hour. Then she'd have called him at work and hollered about it for another 30 minutes. But he learned the lesson. If you're going to be successful in the things of God, learn the lessons. Don't allow people who ain't living nothing talk you out of living something. Proverbs 10 and 22. Do we go there? What does it say? Everybody, let's read it. Ready? Read. The blessing of the Lord make it rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So the blessing of the Lord is a what? What is the blessing? I need my whole class participate. Thank you. That's much better. And what does it do? What does the blessing do? Now, we just read in Luke 4 two weeks ago that it says that Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. Remember I told you that no matter what your poverty was, you didn't have to be poor anymore. Say, I, I reject, reject all, poverty. all poverty. Come on, say it again like you mean to say, I, I reject, reject all poverty. Because some of you got money, but you don't have relationships. Come on. Come on. I, reject I reject all poverty. All poverty all is not my inheritance. Amen. Many of you are sitting here with upgrades in your accounts. A great example of that is cell phones. You know, if you're on a cell phone company long enough, at a certain time, they give you an upgrade. The upgrade is free. You say, well, the upgrade requires me to sign a new contract. Weren't you going to stay with them anyway? You, you weren't planning to leave, right? So the upgrade is yours, but you won't get it. So an iPhone 6 is your upgrade, but you still got an iPhone 4 talking about it won't do everything. That's because it's been upgraded. It's not supposed to do everything as the iPhone 6. But here are some reasons that people don't upgrade, because I asked them. They don't upgrade because they're comfortable with the old. So there are things in your life God wants to elevate you, but you're so comfortable with what's old, you won't let it go. So you still got a flip phone. Even little kids ain't got flip phones no more. You got a flip phone, and the Lord is trying to upgrade you to the Galaxy 6 or the iPhone 6, and you holding on to, the, to this flip phone. 
You can't see the pictures when people send them. People try to send you pictures. you like, can you, can you email them to me? Because I can't get them from my phone. Do you know that there is an upgrade that fixes that? There is an upgrade that fixes your lack of money. There is an upgrade that fixes your lack of self-control. There is an upgrade that fixes depression, but you got to be willing to do the upgrade. Now, here's another reason that people don't change besides the fact that they're comfortable with the old. They are unsure of the new. Now, this is always really interesting to me because you know what your phone can do. Let's say you don't like your iPhone that you really love your iPhone for. And you go to the iPhone 6, and for whatever reason, you decide that you like the iPhone 4 better. Do you know you could always go back to it? But to not take the new one because you're unsure is causing you to miss out on something that's going to absolutely increase your life. If you like iPhones, if you like Samsungs, if you like it, why wouldn't you want the top of the line? Except that somehow, sometimes within us, we have been conditioned to only accept what we need and not receive everything that's available to us. Selah. Get it all in your heart so you can upgrade your living. Ooh, Jesus. Let me see. Here's the other reason people tell me they don't upgrade. Because I actually text my friends who I knew still had some old phones. I'm like the upgrade queen. Like, I'm like the person. Like, if they tell me now that the iPhone 7 is coming out, well, I'm going to let two people get it first, one or two people, Nigel or Rick, because they, they, the, they the geeks, and they go figure out all the kinks. I'm going to let them get it. They go process it. Once they process it, I'm going to go get my upgrade. Because if the upgrade is available for me, why would I want what's second best? If you can have the best, why would you settle for less? The best has been made available to you. Well, I really don't need a house with that extra room. Well, how do you know that God don't want you to be a blessing to a college student who would have to go home if you didn't have an extra room? I know it ain't just about you. Well, I don't, we don't really, you know, when we was growing up, all we had for vacation, we just, we just went to grandma's house and everybody slept on the couch. You didn't like that that much when you was at grandma's house. Like after the first three days, you wanted to bed. That, ain't, that shouldn't be the life for your kids. We should be upgrade. Here, here's how, the Bible says a wise man should leave an inheritance for his children's children. Those of us who have worked to get to where we are, our goal is that our children do not work as hard as we did for what we did, not that they don't have to work. Our children should be positioned to work in ways that we didn't get to work because we were working to survive. So we need to have a mentality that we want everything that God has for us so that not that we're going to let our kids be lazy and not have any work ethic, but that we're going to give them vision so they can go further than we went because they didn't start where we started. If you didn't come to college with a car, you know that's hard. You ought to have a goal to send your child to college with a car. But you don't just have to look at your budget to do it. You can ask God how to make it happen. Because God can raise up people to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Amen. Amen. All right. So other people don't get the upgrade because they're too busy. You know, some of you just too busy. You too busy to get in the word. Because you're like busy with like reality TV and like judge shows and all the funny videos. You got Vine account, you got Snapchat, you got Instagram. You got all of it. You can't be on all of it. If you on all of it, you, that's a job. You can't be on all of it. You got to do some other stuff. You, you keep up with Law & Order, NCIS, Scandal, Empower, and Powder, and you power, and you talking about you don't know why you ain't increasing. You ain't increasing because your whole life is TV. The blessing does not come by being a TV junkie. Amen. That's all right. Number four, the last reason people don't upgrade is that they're unwilling to learn the new. Most of the time when we can't help somebody in their marriage is because they're unwilling to listen. It's not that their marriage can't be fixed. It's that they are unteachable. They will not learn. 
You know, some of you in education, you know teachers like that. They still talking about what we was doing 30 years ago. Ma'am, 30 years ago, we didn't have a computer for everybody. Ma'am, 30 years ago, computers was as big as this room. Ma'am, what is you talking about that you would got to do it the way you did it 30 years ago? There are those of you who are missing out on some things from God because you are unwilling to learn where God is trying to tell you. You still talking about what they taught you at your old church. Look at them people at your old church. Are they successful? Is that the life you want? You still talking about how your mom and them did it. Listen, I'm not trying to talk about your mom. Don't get mad because I know folks get mad when you talk about their mom. But listen, you got to know that what your mother gave you that was good and what your mother gave you that doesn't work. You got to know what your mother did because it was wisdom and what your mother did because it was the best that she can have. The great example of that, have you ever heard the story about the, grandma, the granddaughter and her mother? They are her, The grandmother, a mother and a daughter are cooking a ham. And the, grandma, the mother tells the daughter to cut the butt off the ham. She says, why do we cut the butt off the ham? She's, the mother says, I don't know. Grandmama always did it. She said, call grandmother and find out. She called grandmother. Grandmother said, we cut the butt off the ham because the oven wasn't big enough for the whole thing. You done spent your whole life cutting the butt off the ham because the oven they had wasn't big enough to take the whole ham. You throwing away the ham. Your limited thinking based on what you think happened can make you miss out on what God is trying to do for you. Can you take a little more? Might as well. I ain't done yet. Favor produces opportunities for the... Okay, so the blessing is what? Y'all will get faster. That's okay. We're going to keep working. The blessing is what? So if the blessing is the empowerment to prosper, why do you need favor? Favor is what gives you the opportunity for the blessing to work. Here's what it looks like. Um, Sparky played football. He was talented. He had the empowerment on his life. But somebody had to favor him to give him a scholarship for him to go to the next level. So you don't just need the ability. You need the favor. And some of you are missing out on some things because you're so focused on getting the next ability that you have forgotten about favor. The Bible says that favor will, here's how you know anytime you have gotten into favor. You have gotten into favor anytime somebody says something like this. I'm not sure why I'm doing this. That's the favor of God. I've never done this for anybody else. That's the favor of God. And what you ought to start doing is right there saying That's the favor of God. Thank you very much. Because what's acknowledged by God gets multiplied by God. So what does favor do? Favor gives you the opportunity. You got an ability. Everybody in this room has an ability. You got an ability. You got gifts. You got talents. But what you need is that for somebody in a position to help you to use their favor on your behalf. And God is the one that controls favor. Networking don't make favor. God makes favor. So you ought to spend more time networking with God so God can touch the people. Make this confession. Say, right now, God is talking to somebody about me. Go ahead. Come on. I felt faith on that one. Y'all might be done got y'all a little faith up in here this morning. Come on. Say that again. Say, right now, God is talking to somebody about me. Somebody on the golf course and God just ran your vision across them so they can do for you what you can't do for yourself. But if you don't expect and declare favor, Pastor Elm will tell you this. I expect favor. I, I, I expect favor. I, 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 I do. I expect people to give me preferential treatment. I expect because the Bible says it belongs to me. Well, what about the other people? They favoring them is on them. They don't have nothing to do with me. I'm talking about my favor and what belongs to me. And when you realize that God's an abundant God, what you realize is that your favor don't stop somebody else from being blessed. But you not receiving your favor don't make them blessed. It's like when your mama used to say, you should eat this food because this kid's in Africa starving. Well, mama, if we send the food over here, it's going to mold before we get there. Me not eating this food don't feed them. 
Me eating it don't feed them. Two separate incidents. And so the challenge for a lot of people is that you think your blessing is tied up in somebody else, what somebody else has. Your blessing not tied up in somebody else. What God has for you, it is for you. Say what God has for me, God has for me. is for me. Let's look at some scriptures on favor. We'll speed up a little bit. Psalms 5 and 12. No, we, no, no, I don't. I don't want to speed up a little bit. I want you to get it so you can get change. Take pictures of the stuff if you have to. You can listen to the message for free. Listen to the message every day this week. There is favor that belongs. Say, there's favor, there's favor that belongs to me. Belongs. Say, God, God wants to upgrade me. See, some of you, you have been too indoctrinated with the policies of what they say. Well, they say it takes this long to get a promotion. What did God say? They say this is what you need to get the house. What did God say? They say. And see, some of you don't know what God said because all you can hear is what they said. I don't care nothing about what they say. Listen, anybody who knows me knows this for real. If I believe God told me something, your no don't move me. Because I am so convinced that if you are what's standing in between me and what God said, God will move you. But I'm going to get what God said belongs to me. It says, for the Lord will bless the righteous with favor and it will encompass you like a shield. Say, I have a favor shield. I have a favor shield. You ought to have an expectation of that. I have a favor shield. That's why, listen, let me parenthetically insert. That's why you can't be out with a bad attitude. You got favor on your life. God preparing people to receive you, and then you show up with a bad attitude. And then you miss your favor because you got a bad attitude. That's why you got to have godly character so when favor work on your behalf, you don't discount the gospel and yourself with a bad attitude. Psalms 84 and 11. Psalms 84 and 11. For the Lord is God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing. I promise some of y'all ought to put this on your screen, Savior. Say, God is not withholding any good thing from me. So let's be clear. Anything God told you know about, it wasn't good for you. Not that it wasn't good. It wasn't good for you. When you begin to understand that when God tells you, no, don't date somebody. No, don't take a job. No, don't move to another city. No, don't do that. He's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to keep the best in front of you. And you're distracted by what you think you want when God has something better for you. Amen. The Lord had to take all them other people from Edwin. He was going to miss out on this good thing. My next scripture perfectly demonstrates that point. Proverbs 18 and 22. Whosoever findeth a wife, findeth a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. That right there is proof, women, you shouldn't let a man treat you bad. The Bible says that there is a new level of favor that enters on a man's life because he's married to you. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Peter, that a man who don't treat his wife right, God don't even hear your prayers. Y'all should read the Bible, all this submission you want women to bow down. But the Bible says if you don't treat your wife right, that God will close up heaven on you. Don't nobody want heaven closed up. Treat your wife right. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Look at such excitement. Be like, amen. Treat your wife right. A wife is not a dog. A wife is not your maid. A wife is not your slave. A wife is a gift from God that introduces a new level of favor on your life. Right. I am your good thing. Amen. Best thing ever happened to you since Jesus. Amen. The blessing is the ability to do a thing, and favor is the access to do it. You really need to get that. The blessing is your ability to do a thing, and favor is the access to do it. Yes, ma'am. Fav- the blessing is the ability to do a thing, 
And favor is the opportunity or the access. Some of you, you're believing God for new jobs and you're thinking about getting degrees. Nothing wrong with getting degrees. But maybe you ought to just start confessing your favor. Maybe you don't need another degree. Maybe you just need to thank God. Make this confession. Say, Lord, Lord I, take I take every promotion, every promotion. you have for me. I take it. That faith takes. Faith receives. Faith doesn't sit passively by. Faith doesn't say things like, well, I don't have enough experience. Do you know everybody who got started had to get experience? Why not you? You got the Holy Ghost. He can help you learn how to do the job. Amen. Esther is an example of the blessing and favor. Esther was anointed to be the king's wife, but the eunuch had to favor her to prepare her to be his wife. So he gave her special treatment and said to her, wear this instead of this. God will cause people to favor you, to prepare the path for you, to take you into a room that you can't get into by yourself. That's all favor really does. It gives you access to a room that you should be in, but you haven't gotten in yet. Favor is a key. Say, tell your neighbor, say, favor is a key. Favor is a key. Amen. We're we getting close. Let's look at Psalms 37 and 23. See, God wants your life to be so distinctively different that people say, how did you do that? People want your life, God wants your life to be so amazing that people go, how did you do that? See, yes, it's some people who waiting on you to fail, but it's way more people who hoping you succeed, which means that it's a reality that they can create a better life. Yes, there's some people who want you to fail. Listen, when me and Ellen got together at our wedding, they were saying we weren't going to last. They said we wouldn't make it six months. Shame on them. There are people now who look for ways to say that our marriage isn't that great. This ain't Memorex, baby. We ain't playing. Anybody who know us know we couldn't fake this good. If I ain't like him, I wouldn't even come to this church. I wouldn't come up here. I wouldn't. I wouldn't come up in here and fake talking about, oh, he's so good. Because he'd be talking about something. I'd be like, you lying. You don't even treat us right. I don't have no kind of fake on my life. That's not who I am. Ask our friends. If you came to our house when we was having an argument, we didn't stop because you came. You shouldn't have come then. You shouldn't have come. You picked a bad time. We would be like, we in the middle of something. You staying, you going. Because we, we, we not the kind of people who like, oh, we going to make it clean because you around. If any of y'all came to our house and we was having an argument, we would more likely do something like this. Misty, come in and tell us what you think. Who wrong? So I'm telling you, we don't fake it this. <laughs> but you need to understand that just because people want you to fail don't mean you have to. Just because people don't want you to be blessed don't mean you have to put a cap on your blessing. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Say, God has a good path for me. Some of you, you can't see what God has in front of you because you still crying over what's behind you. Stop crying over what's behind you. You can't go back and get it. And you know what's so interesting to me about people, whether it's about jobs or about relationships. Almost always, the job you lose or the relationship you lose, you didn't like it when you had it. And then afterwards, you crying. I just wish I still had that job. You didn't even like that job, and you didn't like him. You ain't liked him in years. You just comfortable, and you don't like having to be by yourself. Learn to be by yourself so somebody else can be in your space. All right. Psalms, I mean Isaiah 48 and 17. You notice how many scriptures I'm giving you? The reason I'm giving you so many scriptures is because prosperity is the thing that the enemy comes against so hard. You have to know it by the word. You need to be able to say more than Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean said we should be blessed. You need to know the scriptures and get them in your heart. Isaiah 48 and 17. It says, thus said the Lord God, the Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord God, which does what? Teaches you to do what? 
So God clearly wants you to profit. Say, God, God wants me to profit. Me to profit. Say, God, God is my private teacher, my private teacher to, my success. to my success. God wants you to prosper. He wants you to profit. Amen? Amen. God will give you opportunities because he knows where your favor is. Sometimes you'll just get an idea about something and you won't act on it because you don't understand that it's God trying to open a door of favor for you. And you think it's not really that big a deal. I'll give you a great example. I have a brand. The brand is Live Your Dreams. When I first started building Live Your Dreams, this whole brand, I didn't know what branding was because I didn't work in an area that taught what branding was. For those of you who don't know what branding is, it's not your business card, it's not your website, it's your reputation, it's what people say about you. This woman calls me one day and she says to me, she says, who taught you how to brand? I'm like, what's branding? She tells me what branding is. I say, the Lord taught me how to brand. She says, your stuff is textbook branding. She was a brand teacher at a, at a, um, at a um, college. She was a brand, she was a professor of branding, and she was fascinated by how I knew so much about branding. The Lord will teach you what you need to know to take you where you need to go. He will teach you. I didn't, after that, she then began to give me books to read so I could translate what God had taught me into language other people could understand. And so then, a couple of weeks ago, I coach people, but I don't coach on branding typically. I just brand it myself. This lady calls me. She says, hey, I want you to brand me. I say, well, I don't really do branding. And she says, no, I want you to brand me. And I say, well, okay, let's talk about it. So we start to talk. She says, tell me what your program costs. I don't really have a program because I just told you I don't brand, right? And I, that's not what I really do. And I say, well, I'll do a seven-week program for $1,000. She was like, so, invoice me now. I was like, what? Hey, hold on. See, because favor will do for you. Right. Babe, I hurry up and invoice her. So she, I hurry up. I was, like, I was like, is this a game? But what you need to understand and what God is teaching me is that a lot of things you've struggled in, you're not called to struggle in. What you're called to do, there is a grace on you to do it, and you do it easily. I don't hustle for coaching clients. I just be like, Lord, I need 24 clients, and I need the right ones because you know I fire people. They're not going to stress me out. I got five. I fire people. You don't work well with me. I can't kick you out the church, but I can kick you out of my business. Not gonna stress me out. I'm trying to get you to understand that there are things on your life that will come to you just that easily. There are things people ask you to do. Kathleen, you're so gifted. You should never be without. Like you, Kathleen, can you make these ornaments? Uh huh. Then she make them better than the ornaments I sent her. Then she shows us all this other stuff you can do. You have these natural gifts, talents, and abilities that if you step into God will prosper you. You don't even have to hustle. I'm not saying you don't have to work. I'm not saying you don't have to market. I'm saying you don't have to struggle. I'm saying you don't have to toil to prosper. But you got to be willing to step out there. Amen. We almost done. Um, confession, say my steps are ordered by God. This is an important confession. Say God, say God make me aware. And sensitive, and sensitive to the opportunities, to the opportunities you, have you have placed in front of me. In front of me. Everybody in this room has opportunities in front of you right now. You have things that if you put your hand to, God will prosper them right now. And everybody in this room has somebody they should be showing favor to right now. You need to be, one of the best ways to open up favor in your own life is to favor somebody else. It's to do, it's to, oh, you open a door for somebody else. 
and God will make happen what make what you made happen for somebody else happen for you. Me, me, I was thinking about you, Misty. You may not realize this, but you helped somebody get a job because you gave them a connection to your friend and they got a job. And then when you needed a job, God raised up somebody to do for you what you hadn't been able to do for yourself. That's what favor looks like. Who can you be a blessing to so that you can open favor in your own life? You need to keep the stream of favor going. Amen. Say, I keep the stream of favor going. Amen. Last thing, quit complaining about what you don't have and begin to declare that the blessing and the favor of God is enough. Stop complaining about what you don't have. Put a guard on your mouth. Stop saying you don't have enough money. Stop saying you can't afford to go there. Stop saying you're not qualified for the job. Put a guard on your mouth. Every time you think about what you don't have, open up your mouth and declare that the favor of God and the blessing of God are working on your behalf. God will open up doors. There is no lack, guys. There is no shortage. And for those of you who are called to be entrepreneurs, understand this. When God calls you to be an entrepreneur, he already knows every client you'll ever need. He already, that's the reason he gave you the desire because he knew somebody needed it. Thank God for the clients instead of stressing about who's not there. For those of you who are in corporate America, don't be messed up about those numbers. You take those numbers and you put those numbers before the Lord. You say, God, these are the numbers they say we need to make. And you're the only one who know how to make them because what they want me to do is to be stressed out all the time. And I'm not going to be stressed out because we work this job together. God, give me strategies that will get this done. Give me favor when I sit before the vendor or when I call the contractor that they're going to favor me and the Bible says that Joseph's boss was blessed because Joseph was so good that Jacob's boss was blessed because Jacob was so good you ought to begin to declare the favor of God on your life so much that you become so distinctively different that you become indispensable to your boss You can make yourself indispensable with the favor on your life. But when you begin to get things done, can't nobody else get done because the favor of God is on your life. Say, the favor causes me to get done what nobody else can get done. When you get a tough task, you ought to go, this is a great opportunity for the blessing and favor of God. Amen. Last thing. Proverbs says, I mean, Habakkuk 2 says, let's skip those scriptures in um, 2 Peter. I'll just tell you about it. 2 Peter says he's freely giving you all things. 2 Peter 1 and 3 say, God has given me everything I need. All things. What does all mean? I mean, if you took an all-inclusive vacation and they told you you had to pay for food, wouldn't you be a little salty? Because when you, tell, when you go all-inclusive, you know what that means? I don't pay for nothing. God has given you all things. He has not let your life is all inclusive. He has not left one area of your life for you to manage by yourself. I want to talk to you about, um, I'm a, yeah, so I want to do two things. Number one, Habakkuk 2, it says this. It says to write the vision and make it plain. One of the first things you need to do is this. You need to understand that there is something spiritual about writing a vision. Writing a vision is not just a natural task. It is a spiritual task. And I was saying to my boys last night, I said, you need to realize that when God tells us to do something, it's a reason he tells us to do it. We may not fully understand what happens when we write something down, but the research confirms that there is an importance in writing a vision down. In fact, research says that on, out of 100 people, only three people write their vision down. Out of 100 people. So based on the statistics in this room, most of you would not go home and write your vision down, even though you've been instructed to. You're going to say things like this, what I really want in my heart, well, God knows that I don't have to write it down. You're violating the instruction with your disobedience. Write your vision down. Teach your kids early to write their vision down. What's one thing they're believing God for? Put it on their mirror. Put it on the board so they can see it. Because what you keep before your eyes becomes your reality. 
That's why if you got a raggedy marriage, you can't afford to hang with other people with raggedy marriages. You got to hang with people who got good marriages because it begins to change what you see as your norm. That's why if you want more money, you can't keep hanging with people who broke. You got to hang with people who have the ability to do what you want to do. See, you got to understand that there's something good about the stretch. There's something good about putting yourself in an environment where you're not the top dog. There's something good about going to a restaurant that you know it would stretch you to be there and you can't and, and you watch somebody there pay for the whole table. It does something on the inside of you for the reality of what's possible. It's good to see somebody write a check in church that's bigger than what you make in a week. It stretches you to the possibilities. And some of you won't put yourself in a position of stretch because you feel inadequate. Go to a place. Listen, you ought to. Here's for those of you with houses. You ought to be touring houses that's two steps up from where you are. You ought to be looking in houses. This, that, 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 it's not your next house. It's your next next house. Because if you don't, the enemy will put a spirit of containment on your life, which is what I wanted to say. And he'll begin to make you think, listen, this is what the Lord told me. The Lord told me that he is blessing his people. And the biggest enemy to the blessing is the spirit of containment. And the spirit of containment is when the enemy tries to make somebody make you feel guilty about what God has done in your life. Like he's already done enough. In fact, let me tell you something. You ought to quit saying this. When people say if God don't do nothing else, he's already done enough, you should quit. Th- take that away because you lying. If God didn't give you no more money, you'll be sad and you'll be hungry. Stop saying that. It's religious. When we were 28 years old, we moved into one of the biggest homes in our neighborhood. When we first moved in, everybody wanted to know how did we get there. Heck, we didn't even know how we got there. The favor of God really is how we got there. We wanted this house. The people needed to sell it. And her brother was a, um, was a mortgage broker. And we drove by that house every day. Every day for a year, I would drop my kids off at the daycare. I would come back in the neighborhood like I lived in that neighborhood, and I would drive out of that neighborhood like I was supposed to be there. I drove in the neighborhood so long, I lived, they thought I lived there before I actually did. We moved into the house, and when we moved into the house, people began to say things like, how does somebody your age afford that? How does somebody your age do that? And some of you who are African-American, you felt that pressure even with your kids when you go back home. Why your kids talk like that? Why do your kids do that? It is a spirit of containment that is an attempt to limit your life. When we moved in that house, we never intended to stay there as long as we've stayed there. But I believe, at least for me, that what began to happen is that I began to say, well, this house is much better than most of the people I know. It's a nice house. It's okay if we don't move. I mean, we got a good house. Everybody got their own bedroom. We got plenty of space. And recently, the Lord began to stare us and say, what did I tell you? It doesn't matter how good it is right now. What did he tell you? Don't be contained. See, I appreciate how good the church is going, but this ain't the end vision for us. We go impact thousands of people in Northwest Arkansas. Thousands of people are going to come to church here and get their life changed. You can't see this and get contained with this and begin to think this is all we got. We're just on our way somewhere, but if we get contained five years from now, it'll just be us. Don't get contained. Don't apologize for what God does in your life. When God favors you, that's on them if they're not favored. They can work it out with God. If God gives you two promotions in a year and somebody else didn't get one, that's on them. That don't have nothing to do with you. You got a right to have everything God says belongs to you. You can be good in everything he called you to be. You can have as much money as he said you could have. You can drive whatever he told you to drive. see the indoctrinating of that culture because people be like, well, I don't drive my good car to Walmart because I don't want them to know. That's the spirit of containment. The same God that got you a job at Walmart will get you a job somewhere else if they act crazy over your car. 
or better yet, a move to people who are trying to move you. You, we, we, listen, I told my friend the other day, if you go walk by faith, you got to kind of be a thug. You, you, you don't get to be a nice, quiet, docile Christian and walk by faith. Because it's going to always be somebody trying to snatch what God said you could have. It's going to always be somebody saying, well, it really don't take all that. How you know what it take? How you know what God said I could have? Don't let people limit you. So write your vision. You need to get, I challenge you guys to do this before the day is over with your family. Write the vision because what research says is that while only 3% of the people write it down, that for the 3% of people who write it down, 98% of those people produce what they wrote. Writing it down is spiritual. Pastor Ellen will tell you, when I first started my business up again in January, um, I, I didn't really have goals. I just, let me tell you a little bit about my business as we close. When I first started coaching, I started coaching really to make extra money. I didn't really start coaching to make, to run a business. I started coaching because I would be like, where we want to go on vacation? He'd be like, we want to go so-and-so. How much money we need? And that's how much money I worked to get. And then when I got that money, I wouldn't work at the clients no more because I'd be like, I don't, I don't, like, I wasn't trying to build anything. And the Lord began to talk to me about what he had given me with coaching and personal development, that if I would develop it, it would be a business we could pass to our kids. It would be a business that could set our kids up for what they wanted to do. When I first started doing the business in January, I didn't have any goals my only goal, Pastor Ellen only gave me one goal, don't lose money. Don't lose money, don't cost me money. That's my offer. Any dream I've ever had, he'd be like, don't lose money, don't cost me money. You do anything you want to do as long as you don't lose money, you don't cost me money, right? He's like, you want to be an astronaut, don't lose money, don't cost me money. You want to be a clown, don't lose money, don't cost me money, right? That's, that's, that's his thing. And when I first started, I did not really have any goals for my business. And then the Lord told me in March to begin to write down at the beginning of the month on a huge yellow sticky that they got at Office Depot what my goals were, how many clients, how much money, how many corporate opportunities, every single thing I wanted. And I was showing my kids last night that if I look at what happened when I started to write it down and visit it every day, my business quadrupled. I increased, I more than, I tripled my income. And I'm on a scale to do that five or six times over before the year is over. Because something happens every morning when I get up and go sit in my office and I go, here's how many clients we're supposed to have. Here's, God, I thank you for this many clients. God, I thank you for this much income. God, I thank you for these opportunities. Put your vision before you. You believe in God for a new house? Go take a picture of the house and put it on your back door someplace you got to see every day. Stop discounting what God said you can have because you think you can't afford it. You'll be amazed what God will raise up somebody to do for you. You'll be amazed. Write your vision down. Share your vision with your family. I'm going to tell you this. Those of you who are parents, the best thing you can do is get your kids involved in your vision. Kids got big faith and they ain't moved by money. Canaan asked us yesterday, we was looking at how she said, why are we talking about a budget for? Ain't we believe in God? She like, you need somebody to stretch you. Here's what I'd like you to do for those of you who will do it. You don't have to send us all your goals. But if there's one thing you're believing God for, text it to us. Let us see it. We'll agree with you about it. Or write it on the back of your offering envelope this morning. We actually, when people write on those things, we actually pray over those things.